Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for December 30th. I'm your host, Jason Brown. This week, we talked to Brad Doyle, newly elected president of the American Soybean Association. We also hear strategies that Arkansas ranchers use to market their products to consumers. First up, Brad Doyle of Wiener talks about the important issues that he hopes the organization will be involved in during his American Soybean Association presidency. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I've got a very special guest. A lot of you will recognize his name. Brad Doyle is uh, currently our president of Poinsett County Farm Bureau. Uh, He uh, has served in the past as president of the Arkansas Soybean Association. He uh, is very active in not only in Farm Bureau, but a lot of ag organizations, including uh, his family's company, Eagle Seed Company, over at Wiener. Welcome to AgCast, Brad. Thank you, Keith, for having me today. Yeah, we're, uh, we got some exciting news we'd like to share with folks, and uh, probably a lot of people who already know you have heard this, but might be a lot of folks out there that, that don't realize yet you're uh, – incoming president for the American Soybean Association. That is correct. We actually had our uh, December board meeting in St. Louis, and I was elected as um, as the new national president. Uh, and just looking back, Keith, this is a 101-year-old organization. Wow. Uh, American Soybean Association is a policy organization, so... We do a lot of things um, similar to Farm Bureau, but we we actually uh, represent uh, 30 states uh, that grow soybeans. And uh, as of right now, we're looking at about 515,000 soybean farmers in the United States. Wow. That's a lot more than I even would have imagined. <laughs> That's a lot so of folks. We, we come together as a group, and we were founded over you know, 101 years ago right. in Indiana. Uh, on a Fouts family farm, we actually had a had a celebration up there uh, last year uh, under you know under COVID circumstances, so we were limited on on how we could celebrate. But um, I just want to give you a little history of the organization, yeah. and how it relates to Arkansas. We have had six previous uh, national or American Soybean Association presidents from Arkansas, and then see if you recognize any of these names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, C.K. McClelland, uh, 1934, I believe he was from Fayetteville area. Okay. We had Jacob Hartz from Stuttgart. Oh, yeah, one of my old friends, my old duck yeah. hunting buddy. Uh, Hayes Sullivan from Burdett, Arkansas oh, in 1965. Oh, my, yeah. Game of Fish Commission. Nick Rose from Roseland, Arkansas. I'm not sure where that's at. 1978. I'm not either. Wayne Bennett from Lone Oak in 1988. And John R. McClendon from Mariana, Arkansas in 1995. We know him. Add me to that list of Arkansans that that have served for as president of American Soybean Association. I think that is a that is an awesome 
uh, list to be a part of, and I'm Definitely. very excited about this year. That's quite a roll call of folks uh, in the soybean industry. And uh, tell us a little more, Brad, about what the role of the American Soybean Association is. You you mentioned policy, but maybe get a little more into the thick of it and explain to people who might not know what the organization does day to day. Absolutely. So, you know, anyone can join the, the association uh, through your state. So Arkansas Soybean Association is, is our is our avenue, and you, you're a member of both your state and your national organization. Policy-wise, we go to Washington, D.C. as needed, um, you know, on hot topics, whether it be WOTUS or it maybe it's a trade um, trade agreement that needs to be uh, addressed or uh, could be a biofuel, um, biofuel or biodiesel issue because uh, biodiesel came from the from the American Soybean Association through one of its affiliate states in Missouri. So there's some new uses, new categories of, of uh, markets that we do. Um, you know, just like Farm Bureau gets a call out, whenever we have something that, that we need farmers' voices, we we uh, rely heavily on our membership to make those calls, visit with our, our senators, congressmen, our lawmakers, uh, like I said, when we need to go sit down in D.C. with with our trade representatives, uh, our undersecretary, even secretary of agriculture, that is, uh, it's our job as a voluntary board member to go do that. Um, in addition to that, um, we uh, we do work with the United Soybean Board, which is the national checkoff. So we right. have education. Uh, we have several education uh, projects that we do, um, teaching people about the about the uh, the checkoff, what it does, why it was established, why it's important. Um, you may or may not know this, Keith, but you know it funds a lot of our uh, land grant college uh, agricultural research within the state. So oh, I did not know that. Yeah, whether it's soybean breeding, whether it's uh, soybean. Pest management, irrigation management, variety development, um, all sorts of, of uh, agronomic um, issues that affect growing soybeans here in the, in the state. So of huge, just hugely important in, in what its role is, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, it's been around since 101 years, so it's, it's one That's of the really amazing. organizations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe currently we have 58 national directors, uh, including one from Canada. Okay. And so larger states have, have more acres. They are allowed more more directors on the board. Um, the reason I'm on the board is, is just through a young leader program. Uh, just like uh, President's Leadership Council that I went through at Farm Bureau, uh, we have... Um, have several leader, young leadership programs, and you know how important those are. Yes, definitely. Uh, getting getting those youth, and, and I say youth, you can be in your 30s and even 40s, uh, you know, when you first participate in a young leader program. It's all relative to your experience. Uh, and it is very, very vital to keep those new, new young, active farmers, uh, both husbands and wives, uh, male or female, doesn't matter, uh, what crop you grow, uh, but 
for our association, soybeans would be one of them. Right. Um, and and just learn how laws are made, regulation is is made, the farm bill. You know how those discussions, why they are important, uh, why we need to have our voice whenever they approach that every you know four to five years. Because if we don't speak up, our you know our piece of that that regulates us is just going to get uh, regulations going to get uh, more right. more involved, um, possibly to the negative. Um, if we don't tell uh, tell our story and fight our fight, then you know we may just get walked all over. So that's a huge, huge part of what we do as a, as a soybean association. So I know you've served on the board of directors uh, in several past years, so you're very active in the organization, and I imagine you're coming in as president with some thoughts about certain issues perhaps that uh, you'd like to see ASA uh, tackle or uh, a route you'd like to see them go during your tenure as president? What, what have you got in your head as some of the important things you'd like to see happen during your yeah, tenure? Yeah, absolutely. So we we actually had a, 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 a planning meeting last week, and we discussed a lot of these priorities for, for next year. Uh, and top of the list right now would be supply chain. So if we're looking at chemicals, uh, which whether they be a pesticide, a herbicide, a fungicide, a seed treatment, uh, it could even get, you know, into the, for the livestock side, worming and, and uh, antibiotics like that. But supply chain is getting, uh, you know, hit hard right now. And there's many factors on why, why that, you know, started it. You could even say it started back with the Texas freeze last winter. But when we can't get solid, uh, you know, supply, um, we're talking 70, 80% possibility right now. We need 100%. We'd actually need 110%. You know, we need to have some, some extra supplies on ready uh, when, if, when emergencies do come up. Uh, sure. So the pesticide, crop protection products, even fertilizer is getting to be a real challenge. Uh, getting phosphorus and, and potash prices, you know, let alone uh, getting someone to lock you in on, on supply. Um, that's very important. You know, why is that happening? So part of that you could, we, we would say, you know, is part of a tariff. Um, and I won't name names, but there was a particular, uh, you know, company that, that was in favor of a, uh, an import tariff, and we wrote a letter against that. Uh, it did. It did go through, and, and the tariff is there. So, you've got Russia and Morocco that are, you know, have backed off shipping product into the U.S. And we're we're fast approaching planting season. Right. We need that fertilizer. That's yeah. just around the corner. It'll be here before it we is. blink. Um, I, you know, like Farm Bureau, we've been strongly against the stepped-up bases, the changing any of right. that, any of those. You know, harmful tax changes um, on farm. You know, we have so many of our our farms in Arkansas are family operated and multi generational. Yes. With and as the the older generation um, want to retire or, or you know, in in some cases pass away, we need to protect uh, 
and support those those families that want to continue on and and that's that's what we fight for there um carbon you know a lot of a lot of buzzword about carbon markets yes. and that's... carbon credits and you know what do those mean to an to an arkansan farmer who is currently you know tilling a lot of the, the ground not really planting many cover crops so uh, you know those are things that i am making sure that arkansas is represented on because we're you know in some parts of the delta eastern delta we're extremely flat right uh we do not grow wheat for you know for that reason in a lot of places and that would would uh be the same challenge we'd have with some cover crops so incentive base you know in my opinion if you're going to have a carbon program it needs to be incentive based not forced uh, and it needs to be voluntary as well. So I think a lot of our folks would agree with you on that for sure. We're yeah, we're, and we're learning. You know, we're actively our seed companies actively uh, planting cover crop trials for right. for our area to see what works the best and what seeding rates work the best, what gives us the best weed suppression, what's easiest to to terminate next spring. So there, it's it's more than just simply planting you know, and collecting a, a payment on sure. that. There's a lot more um, information you need uh, before you go planting that. Um, you know, soybeans primarily are crushed. So you have the two products, the soybean meal, which is the main ingredient in most livestock rations, uh, whether it be hogs or chickens uh, or turkeys or even aquaculture, Right. Uh, you know, that is uh, that is near and dear to our heart, taking care of our livestock uh, customers. Uh, but here lately, the oil has become uh, as valuable or even more valuable than the meal when the, when you crush it. Um, Keith, a lot of that's driven from the, the biofuel market. You have uh-huh. strong demand in California and the western states of Oregon and Washington. And then you have a, a high demand in the northeast, New England area. Um, a lot of the heating uh, oil that heat those homes, a little different than Arkansas. A lot of those homes are heated yes. with, with uh, heating oil. And I believe in the, there's some mandates that, that uh, require higher amounts of, of uh, biofuel, bio oil. So soybeans have fit right in there as a sustainable uh, fuel source, you know, a green, green source. There is so many things, Brad. Uh, I guess we could probably talk on and on and on all day about <laughs> the ways you and ASA are going to be involved. But uh, I know you're, you're busy on the farm, and uh, we kind of got to wrap up our show. I, I heard you talk, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, our President's Leadership Council. I know... Uh, You've been involved in several leadership programs, not just through Farm Bureau. Uh, and I assume that has really uh, prepared you for the role you're taking on this year. Uh, everybody should feel very comfortable that you have a background uh, deep in leadership training. You were also uh, our 2017 Stanley Reed Leadership Award winner. Uh, that's a huge honor here at Farm Bureau. So uh, we're glad to have you on board at ASA uh, representing Arkansas. 
Well, I appreciate that, Keith, and all that. And I've got that that uh, Stanley Reed Award behind my desk here for all to see, <laughs> and very proud of that. So you should be. That's uh, a great appreciate honor. all that Farm Bureau does there. Well, we thank you for taking time out today. I know I had to drag you away from the combine. Uh, while you were out there working earlier, uh, we'll let you get back to that. But we'll uh, try to find opportunities throughout the year, Brad, to talk to you more and hear about uh, how things progress as the year goes on. Next, we catch up with Dustin Cow, Arkansas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Chair, about direct-to-consumer marketing, including the benefits and challenges, as well as resources for both producers and consumers. Dustin, today we wanted to talk a little bit about direct to marketing, direct to consumer marketing. Um, you have to pardon me with my words there, but um, I'd love to have an update on your operation first. Though we've spoke to you a few times, and each time it seems like you guys are growing and changing, and you know, really integrating into what your public wants. So, could you give us an update on Cowbell Ranch and how you guys are doing? Uh, yeah, no problem. Um... Yeah, we started uh, probably, it's been a little bit up more than a year ago uh, now. Well, probably closer to a year and a half now that uh, I get to thinking about it. It, it's went by pretty fast. Um, but we just kind of went from a traditional cow-calf operation and, and kind of thought we might just kind of limp in, limp into the direct consumer stuff, keeping, I think we kept two back uh, the very first time, got those fed out processed and and my wife had those sold within like two hours of of getting them on facebook and and ever since then we just kind of realized that uh you know we're, we're just gonna have to play catch up uh really since that time we just never have really uh, we're getting to the point now where we've kind of had a little bit of a stock uh mm-hmm. been able to keep a little bit of a stock back but um well i say that and we're out right now but um it's it's been a struggle i mean like i said it's uh we we just kind of thought we would limp into it you know kind of keep our traditional cow calf with this on the side but um we realized really very early on that that we were going to have to have to start playing catch up because there was just more of a demand out there than we we ever really dreamed of and um really ever since day one it's just been just been trying to get them honestly we can get them fed we've got we've got the calves that we can get fed we just it's the same struggle everybody else has we just can't can't get enough processed uh in a timely manner to to supply the demand that's out there right now um and and i mean i know we hit a good time getting into the business right as right as covid kind of came in and and the meat counters were were empty at the grocery stores but uh even even coming I guess if you want to say we're kind of coming out of COVID now or whatever, getting back to a semblance of normalcy, we, you know, we haven't seen a, a slowdown in our demand at all. Uh, if anything, it's kind of picked up. Um, we have picked up several school districts. That's been, that's been something we've really uh, didn't anticipate. And, uh, but we've picked up the, the Jasper school district, uh, Deer Mountain Judy school district. And we've actually provided uh, Dover school district as well with, with some beef and, and, uh, knock on wood so far, we've been able to, to provide all of those. Uh, we weren't able, the only thing we, we weren't able to provide was enough, uh, enough roasts and briskets and stuff for Dover wanted to have pulled beef one time. And, and that's been the only thing we just didn't have the supply for, but, uh, but other than that, we've, 
we've been able to keep our keep our school district supplied and and kids with some some local beef um but uh as far as kind of an update we're our locals farmers markets have kind of shut down for the winter, but still, uh, still, you know, taking orders online, uh, trying to, trying to fill all we can, um, kind of had a gap in processing our, our processor shut down, not shut down, but only processed deer during deer season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we kind of had a, a month or so there, we couldn't get anything processed and, uh, we've, we've got some there now and, and should have some supply back here in the next week or so. So, uh, looking, looking to get kicked off in, in 2022, right? Absolutely. And, you know, as we talk about supply and demand and that struggle to get to a processing plant, I'd love to hit on the state meat inspection program real quick. Um, I know we're here to talk to the um, folks about the direct-to-consumer marketing, but that state meat inspection program is going to be a game-changer for anybody interested in marketing directly to consumers. So I would love to kind of talk about, you know, we, we talked with Patrick and Dan about where they're at in that program and what's to come in 2022, but as a producer, I'd love to hear your viewpoint and, and what kind of excitement and expectations you have for that program. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's going to be be a game-changer for us because – I mean, like I said, that's, that's the bottleneck right now. Like we can, the demand's there. Uh, we have people that want it. Uh, I mean, we have restaurants interested, uh, various other people that want it. I mean, whether it's businesses, whatever, restaurants, individuals, uh, I mean, we can't keep up with that demand right Mm -hmm. now. And it's not that, it's not that we can't supply the calves. It's just that we can't, we don't have the processing capacity. Um, I mean, we've got, you know, we've been forced to hold some longer than what we wanted to. Like I said, we we're kind of kind of strange because we've been playing catch up so much. So we've just had to take the, honestly, we just had to take the appointments we could get. So, I mean, we had, we had some calves that we wanted to, to keep a little bit longer, grow them a little bit more, finish them off a little bit more, but you know, it was either, take this processing appointment or don't have another one for six months. Um, so, I mean, we had to do that a couple of times. Um, honestly, right now we're, I mean, we're having to process across state lines. Uh, we, we, we go to Kabul, Missouri, Mm uh, primarily we've had some done in Arkansas. Um, but primarily that's our, that's our primary processor just because they can, they can get us in quicker. Uh, they've been able to, to kind of, fit us in a little bit more we uh this last time we were able to to talk them into doing one more whenever we (laughs) we took a load up there um and i mean they've been great to work with and and we it's just it's it's four hours away i mean i'm i'm loaded and and headed to the processor at four in the morning uh to get them there on time uh you know it it doesn't hurt the cattle that much but uh I, i just don't like hauling them that far yep uh, to be quite honest with you. And, and, uh, it's just what we have to do right now. Um, like I said, there's, there's demand there. We can supply it, but we've got this bottleneck in the middle that, that right now that's the hangup. Um, you know, we could do more, we could provide more people want it, but, but we've got to cross that hurdle. And I think our state meat inspection is going to be the, the solution to that problem. Um, like I said, we've, we, we go to Missouri more times than not for processing because they have that state meat inspection program. 
you know, their state inspected facilities are handling the majority of their in-state stuff. And, you know, that allows their USDA inspected facilities to basically handle what's coming out of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've, they've even said like most of their, I don't know if most is the right word, but a, 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 a big percentage of their, uh, of what they kill up there is what they process is out of Arkansas because, you know, we just don't have the, we don't have the capacity. We can't, we don't have those inspected facilities. And, and that's, uh, you know, to me, that just shows an example of what these state inspection, state inspected facilities can do the benefit of them because, you know, we have process or producers coming out of another state to a state that has it simply because they have that, that capacity. Um, so it's, it's something that I believe is going to really, really help us out. Uh, and, and a lot of processor or sorry, producers that, that want to get to the direct to consumer. I think the, the state meat inspection program is a, I mean, it's something we have to do if, if we want to mm-hmm. be able to grow, beef in in arkansas we have to be able to produce it and without this state inspection i just i don't see another solution to the the problem i mean that's that has to has to happen and and i think uh we're on the right track we've got the right people there uh uh, implementing it and and we're just we're we're looking forward to getting that online (laughs) definitely yes i think many would agree with you and and you hit on a really big point there that the, the supply is there. The producers in Arkansas are doing a great job, but like you said, there's this bottleneck. And so this state meat inspection program kind of opens a new pathway with that marketing. You know, we're going to see people being able to talk about Arkansas born, raised, and harvested meats now. And, and I think that's going to be a whole new avenue for that direct-to-consumer marketing. And I think that's a great segue into our next topic. Um, it's, it's something you guys thought you, like you said, you thought you were going to limp into it and then it was full speed ahead. Um, so I'd love for you to talk to our audience. You know, you were on a panel at our convention at the beginning of December and did a great job with that, getting to talk about your perspective as a beef producer. Um, but for producers and consumers in general, you know, when you talked about COVID, when it hit, there was that question of okay, all of these cases at the store are empty. Where are we going to get our food? And I think it brought an awareness to local products, which has been great for Arkansas farmers and ranchers. So I'd love to hear you speak about direct-to-consumer marketing and some of your experience there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, when COVID hit, that was that was kind of the thing. I mean, like I said, the meat counters at Walmart or wherever, you know, any grocery store, it was just, it was just empty because people, I mean, were scared that that supply was going to be interrupted and, and we couldn't get it there. And, you know, where, where were you going to get your meat from? And, you know, this, this wave of direct to the consumer, the consumers wanting to know where their food comes from. And, and I mean, all of these aspects all kind of tie together, but, but that trend has been coming for years. I mean, we've, we've seen that, we've seen that coming. Um, and in my opinion, and we, and we talked about it there at the panel that, you know, honestly, I just think COVID, it just hit the fast forward button. I mean, five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. I I think it, we just skipped over the, like I said, it just fast forward. It's been coming for a long time. And that's what, when people ask me like, you know, well, coming out of COVID, you know, we'll go back, to normal and i'm like no i i just really don't see that because it's been it's been coming for 
decades, honestly, like uh, people wanting to know that, um, you know, wanting to know where their food comes from, where it's grown and wanting to know who's growing their food. I, th- I think that's as important, if not more important than mm-hmm. where it comes from is, is who it comes from. Um, you know, people, which has shocked me, you know, when we got into it, we, we live in a, one of the most rural counties in Arkansas. Um, uh, you know, Jasper's our county seat with, I don't know. I think it says on the sign, there's 400 people in the county seat. Yep. Pretty much. Um, so like we, we honestly, when we started, we're like, well, we're going to have to go to, um, I mean, at the very closest Harrison, Fayetteville, Russellville, you know, these larger population centers to be able to sell this. And what shocked us is like 95% of what we sell is in the County. Wow. Um, you know, a County with a population tops 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet 95% of our sales are probably within, I don't know, 15, 20 miles of our house, um, which shocked me. And like I said, this is a rural, very rural community. Uh, You know, we just didn't really anticipate that kind of demand. And, you know, we we still have it coming. You know, we have people coming from Harrison, from Russellville, uh, Fayetteville, Bentonville area that that see us on Facebook or whatever. And they want they want that product. But like I said, it's just the our primary primary market is just you know right here at our front door and that's been coming for a long time the people want to know who you are um where their food's coming from and and i really just believe covid just just fast forwarded that i I don't see us i just don't see us going backwards from there um it's just i really think this is going to be the new normal there's there's just so much opportunity um, you know, I've had people talk to me like, you know, we would like to get into that, but you know, we don't want to move in, almost move in on your territory. Like, and I'm like, there's room here for everybody. Um, and I mean, there's still room for the traditional cow calf, you know, sending them off feeders, feedlot. There's still room for all of that. We need it all, but there's room in the direct to consumer market for I mean, there's room. It's mm-hmm. we can't supply it all, and even even at our max capacity, if we could get things processed, I mean, we can't supply what's right here in Newton County, um, which, like I said, is incredibly rural. We don't have a lot of people, yeah. but but we just can't we can't do it. Um, so I just think it's going to be a segment of our industry that's going to continue to grow. Um, I mean, like I said, r- restaurants. Uh, individuals fundraisers there's just so much school districts there's just a demand coming from from seems like every side and Mm -hmm. and uh, i just i just don't i really don't think there's anything but but growth opportunity there it's really interesting to me that you you've had people say well we don't want to push in on that territory uh, we've seen time and time again agriculture is a very family-like industry not only with farm families or family farms, um, but just the industry as a whole, you can't go anywhere without knowing at least one to 20 people in the room. So uh, I think that's something that I just found that so interesting. Um, I would love to hear your perspective on how to get started for anyone that is considering direct to consumer marketing or wants to grow and sell a product to people. How, how do you think they should get started or what's the right first step? that's, uh, that's a good question. We, we had that question at the, on the panel at, at convention and, um, 
I think we had three different answers. Uh, mine was just, honestly, from my perspective, just jump in. I mm-hmm. mean, like I said, we, we didn't know what to expect when we first started. Uh, and, and obviously we were, we were way off target cause we've spent the last year and a half, uh, trying to play catch up. Um, that would kind of be my, my recommendation is, is, I mean, you gotta, you gotta jump in at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm one that I do like to plan. I like to be able to predict, you know, I want to be able to predict everything, but this is, this is one of those things that, that eventually you've got to pull the trigger keep some of your calves, feed them out, uh, you know, get them, you got to get them going. And yep. that's, you know, that's something with this and something we've, we've ran into is, you know, we've been working with some genetics. We've got some, we've got a Wagyu bull, a few cat cross Wagyu calves on the ground. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I tell people like, you know, that's a, that's a two, two and a half year process. Yep. Uh, you know, if you don't get started now, it's going to be, you know, another two year process from whenever you do get started. Uh, this isn't something where you can just hang the sign up and, and, you know, you're ready to go. (laughs) You've, uh, it it takes a a long time to get those calves on the ground. It takes a long time to get them fed out. It takes a long time to get them processed. And, uh, just, just the longer you wait, the longer, the longer that's going to be, um, one thing uh one of my other panel members there michael lee brought out was was uh was asked for help around you know we've we've got farm bureau has a lot of good whether it's a convention or whatever we've got a lot of these good workshops and Mm -hmm. panel discussions of people that have done it before go to those uh you know the u of a extension service has has great resources i i honestly haven't taken advantage taken advantage of as much of those as i should uh, you know, whether it's, uh, forage quality, you know, res- effects on carcass quality or, or, or feed grains or, or whatever the case may be like they, we've got, uh, we've got experts on, on staff there at U of A and the extension service that are great resources. And like I said, those are people that I haven't taken advantage of as much, as much as I should have, but, uh, you know, that's a good place to get started. Um, but, but from my perspective is, you know, to, to get started, you've, you've got to get started and, yep. and jump in there and, and at least get your feet wet. Like I said, with us, we started with two, uh, start with one, start with two, get those fed and going. And, and I would, I would guess they would probably run into the same thing that we did that, that you're going to be playing, going to be playing catch up for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those resources you were talking about, We've got those within the state. We've got the National Agriculture Library that has some great direct-to-consumer marketing resources. Um, Arkansas Grown through the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. They have an online new website. It's up and running. It's got great resources. If you're a producer wanting to market your products on there, they'll give you a free page landing page um, for your products. If you're a consumer looking for products, you can search those on the site. I know Cattlemen's has put up a beef directory for the state. So lots of great resources that are, like you said, trying to play catch up, trying to get ahead of the curve. And hopefully we get there eventually. But um, new things that are all coming around in 2022 that we're excited about as an agriculture industry. Is there anything else that you feel like people should be aware of or know about, whether that's on the producer or the consumer side, when it comes to this direct marketing skill set or approach? Uh, really the only thing I would say is, is, uh, the last thing is kind of, you don't want to try to, or one thing I would say is, is don't try to do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I I made the joke 
well, kind of a joke. It's actually true. Um, you know, from, from our, our operation, like I'm, I'm product development. Like I'm, I'm out there, I'm feeding the calves and cows and, and, and kind of taking care of that. But my wife is, you know, she handles the marketing, um, the sales, the, you know, the meetups and, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've actually hired my, my sister came on to help us, to help us out. Cause we, we couldn't really keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I just couldn't imagine trying to do it all. I mean, I mean, I really don't think, I don't think one person could do it all. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, if, if possible, have, have somebody there to help you kind of, kind of lay out a business plan and, and what everybody's going to handle. Um, you know, cause it's, it's been difficult, uh, as far as that. Cause we, you know, we just kind of had to change our mindset from traditional cow calf to, you know, you take them off the cow, maybe you wean them and then take them to the sale barn to now we're, you know, back we're cow calf still, but mm-hmm. then we're backgrounders, we're feeders, um, you know, we're all of that. So that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing I would just say is, is always keep in mind that, in this direct consumer, at least what we've observed, it observed is that, I mean, yes, you're selling beef, but, but more than that, you're selling, you're selling your operation, you're selling your story, you're selling your family. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I made the joke that we're, we're not afraid to use child labor, especially in marketing. Cause <laughs> I mean, Landry, my little girl is, is the, is the face of, of Cowbell Ranch. Yep. She's on a lot of our marketing stuff, our Facebook. And, and I mean, that's what, that's ultimately what you're selling. Cause like I said, it's, I mean, people always come up to us and are like, you know, this is great beef. This is just, you know, tastes so fresh, better than what you can get at the grocery store and all of that. But the number one thing people come up and say is, oh, we love seeing Landry. We love seeing this. We love seeing, you know, whatever you're doing on the farm. So it's not, yes, you're selling that product, but I would almost say more than that, you're selling you because they want to know who it comes from, Mm -hmm. where it comes from. And, And honestly, I think that's, I mean, don't get me wrong, your product and your quality is, is very important, but I don't know. It may be more important for your story, your, you know, where it comes from and who it comes from. And that, that would be something, uh, you know, the, the, the product is important, but the marketing might be, (laughs) might be more important. (laughs) Yeah. Having that recognizable brand, you know, when, when people, it's like you said, when people hear Cowbell Ranch, they think Landry, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not only laying a groundwork for the future foundations, but it's also bridging that gap to the consumer. Um, I think any mom shopping for food would would look at your wife and think she feeds that to her daughter. So I trust that product. Yeah. So I think that's a great point for anyone that's looking from either side is that, you know, they know where that food comes from and it's from a source and a family that they trust. So I think we've covered a lot of great things today. Is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners before we sign off? No, I think uh, off the top of my head anyway, I think that'll <laughs> I think that'll do it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dustin. We really appreciate having you on today. That's all for another Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back in the new year with an all new format to bring you the latest news in Arkansas agriculture. Until then, we wish you all a happy and prosperous new year.